1, beginning with verse 42. And Jesus said unto them, Did you ever read this in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringeth and giveth to a nation bringeth forth the fruits thereof. Verse 44, whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Whosoever shall fall on the stone shall be broken. And whosoever shall, and whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And my message title tonight is intentional brokenness. Say that with me: intentional, intentional brokenness. Amen. You may see it. In Second Timothy chapter two, beginning with verse one, Paul writing says. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Everybody say hardness. You know, it is not difficult. In fact, it is natural when difficulties come that it would cause us to, be, to become hardened. We can be feel and be betrayed and cause us not to trust. We can be disappointed and it can cause us not to believe. We can be... Uh, in all manner of ways have our heart and our mind and our soul and our very essence fall under the pressure of life and it is our natural instinct to become hardened. I mean, how many times can you cuss me out? How many times can you disappoint me? How many times can you uh, 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 let me down. How many times? And it is very easy for us to become cynical, to become jaded, to become... Uh, well, you know what I'm saying. It's very easy to become hardened. And I think it is important for us that we must guard ourselves. Uh, Paul says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I believe our example in this is Jesus Christ Himself. He endured it. He was betrayed. He, he was disappointed. He was let down. Those He had put great trust in, I would say He probably was disappointed. But He demonstrated kindness, grace, and mercy to those He could have just become hard Toward. 
Amen. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. You find that when Jesus came on the scene in the days of, of, the, of the Scripture, that there was a lot of blindness in the part of the Jews. They had uh, experienced a lot of things. There was a lot of uh, factional, political uh, strife that was a part of their reality. And it would seem that Jesus was a countercultural person that both sides of Judaism couldn't accept him. You find him rebuking the Sadducees, which would be the liberals, and he was rebuking the, the Pharisees, which were the conservatives. And they both hated him. Right. One tried to trip him up in one way, and the other tried, group tried to trip him up another way. Nobody wanted to claim Jesus. And I would say to you that, that people oftentimes will find themselves uh, naturally leaning to one way or the other and, and the gospel oftentimes will provoke us and will, will uh, come at us in a provocative way that it goes against the grain of who we are. In Luke chapter 7, Everybody say intentional brokenness. Whenever we decide that we are going to be a believer, uh, we're not born as babies uh, saved. We're born in sin and shaping in iniquity. And, and though a, a baby is innocent and a little toddler is innocent and, and, and a little child is innocent, even in the very smallest times, there are traits that you can see when they're just babies. Stubbornness. Can I get a witness? Contrary. Mischievous. Sneaky. Deceptive. Did you just do that? Uh-uh. We don't have to go to a school to manifest the works of the flesh. We are born in the flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And as we grow, we get better at it. We, we become able to finesse it. We are able to uh, uh, dress it up. We are able to uh, put it in a context that it's all good. But at the end of the day... When we decide, I am going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and we begin uh, to, to endeavor, to strive, to live a life of faith, we are challenged. You know, I've been pastoring for uh, uh, maybe longer than 20 years, 97, so longer than 20 years, and... Uh, I have seen a lot of people come in and out of the church and for various reasons. Maybe they were invited. Maybe we were having a barbecue. Uh, uh, maybe they were having trouble. Maybe they were broke. Maybe they were sick. I've had all kinds of situations. Sometimes people come in and don't even know why they're here. And I've seen people respond uh, emotionally, if you will, to the message or the music or the atmosphere, the presence of the Lord. And, and really, without a whole lot of thought, they will respond 
to what they're feeling and they will repent. They, they, they get baptized. They may even uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and these are wonderful things. But beyond that, when you decide that you are going to be a disciple, you know, I think it is interesting that Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and making disciples. That's really our call. No doubt we want to baptize people. We want to see people born again. But really our call is to make disciples. Because it doesn't matter how many people uh, 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 have faith. It doesn't matter how many people get baptized. It doesn't even matter how many people get the Holy Ghost. How many disciples are we producing? At the end of the day, that is our ultimate responsibility. And that's where the rubber meets the road because being a disciple goes against our human nature. I heard someone say, one of the quoted the scripture, quit you like men. Quit you. That, to be saved, you've got to quit you. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. At the end of the day, if you're going to be saved, discipleship all begins with quitting you. Quitting your opinion, quitting your attitude. Quitting your sin. It is, a, it is a denial of our... of me. Mm, that's good. And, and seeking Him. Yes. And many of the things God wants from me, it is going to require me to give something up. Right. I've known people that had a hard time living for God because they couldn't give up playing video games. Well, I have. I've seen people. That was their... The thing God, I really think they need to give up because they just, they couldn't give God their time because they were giving all the video games. Don't think there's anything wrong with video games. I think everything has a place. If it's not simple. It, but if, if you are going to choose that over God, yeah, I think that's a problem. I think sometimes people need to give up sports. At least for a season because they think about that. They worship. that They, they give their passion to something that is of, of zero value. And if you're going to be a believer, you have to be honest enough with yourself to say, this is more important to me than God. And sometimes people have a long list, oh yeah, I believe in God, but uh, you know, it's just over here, uh, you know, a little rabbit's foot in my, my, my pocket. And, you know, I believe in it, but you know, it's all good. Put the horns. Right? Old miss. Go stay. But at the end of the day, if we are going to experience the best God has for us, we have to, to pursue God intentionally. I'm not going to just accidentally get saved. I'm not going to accidentally pray. I'm not going to accidentally repent of my sins. I'm not going to accidentally show up at church. I am at some point I have to reprioritize the situations in my life. And if I'm going to, to experience the peace of God, the victory of God, the blessing of God in a, in a, in a, a purified, a, that's a concentrated form. Yes. I have to make an intentional decision. And oftentimes the first intentional decision we have to make is we have to intentionally be broken. Brokenness. What do I need to break? For God to work in my life. What relationship do I need to break? What connection do I need to break? What fascination do I need to break? 
what hobby do I need to break? Because, you know, sometimes people will never make those breaks because they don't have any problems. But let trouble, let urgency, let, let something begin to shape their life. They'll be like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, God help me. Right. Oh, uh, right. God help me. Right. We start emptying the boat. Oh, Lord, I don't want to sink it. And they start throwing stuff over. Find something else maybe I throw over. They begin to, to empty the boat. And in the process, they may say, Oh, God, help me. And, and we'll see them come in in the sense of desperation. Oh, God, I, I can't make it on my own. And they'll repent. They get baptized. They get the Holy Ghost. And the storm begins to settle down. And, and, and normality, normalcy begins to settle in. And all of a sudden, uh, amen. And all the things they threw away in pursuit of God, they will begin to recollect. They may not all have been bad things, but all of a sudden, all the things that, that they drop to pursue God, when they get God, they start picking it up. And so they... They begin to they begin to, to heal that which was intentionally broken. They begin it just naturally kind of starts coming back together. And I think that's the challenge that we all face. It doesn't matter how long that that or how short a time we've been living for God. There there has to be an intentional, purposely decision to say, I'm going to stay open in this part of my life. When it starts growing over and starts healing up and starts getting better, <laughs> where sin doesn't bother me anymore, and where prayerlessness don't bother me anymore, and we begin to become hardened, we ought to be able to, uh, Lord, help us to be able to say, hey, Lord, where's that rock? I need to get myself back on the rock and break myself again. Because I don't want to be healed from my need of God in my life. Intentional brokenness. You know, living for God is oftentimes not what we expect it would be. Really living life. Midlife crisis is a pretty common thing. And most of the time I've heard, I'm a long way from it. Midlife. I passed it actually. I lived to be 80. Uh, that means I was at midlife at 40, so I passed midlife. And, and, and most men in particular, but I think everybody, they reach a point and you're like, you know, I thought I would have more money in the bank. I thought I'd have a better job by now. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, I'd hope things. And, and in ministry and in church, and we sometimes we, we, we can be disappointed. Like, what's up, God? Anybody? Anybody? Am I talking to anybody? You know, I know that for myself, I, 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 I was blessed. My mom and dad made a commitment to God as, as I was a child. I spent my life in church, and I loved church. They taught me how to love church. They taught me how to love God. They taught me how to love preaching, and I knew I did. And, and I've been in the church, and, and I, I, since I was just a young man, I had dreams. I had visions. I have had prophetic words. I have, I have so much I have experienced, and I'll be honest, there's a lot of things that I'm still, I still have seen. And sometimes you can say, 
You can become hardened. Just say you can you can allow some things to just well that, that was just uh, that was pizza. But I, I would say to you that sometimes the way that God brings things to pass, some things the Lord spoke to people didn't even happen in their life, but they were uh, instrumental in making it happen in the next generation or generations to come. Jesus uh, in, in in Luke chapter seven. Uh, John the Baptist sent uh, uh, unto Jesus and the disciples said, Are you the one? Or, or, or should we look for another? John is writing from the prison. He, 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 was the, he was the flavor of the month. All of Judea came to hear him. Scores, thousands of people were baptized by John. Even Jesus Christ Himself was baptized by John. The disciples of Jesus started out following John. He was incredible. Jesus said He was the greatest. And in spite of all that, I don't know what John saw, but I imagine when he was sitting in the prison... And, and the rats were scurrying around in the corners and, and, and the water was dripping off the ceiling and he could hear the, the chains rattling in the hallway and maybe the bed of hay, and were, there were some fleas in there. Maybe the, the bread was moldy. And, I, and he wondered, I, I wonder what's going on with God. I wonder if Jesus really is the one because since I pointed at Jesus, it looks like things are not going like I expected them. He said, "Where did Jesus? Jesus, are you really yet?" Jesus said, "You know, the blind see, the lame walk, cast out evil spirits. The gospels uh, is being preached to the poor." And Jesus said, "Verse twenty-three: Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me." Just a few. Days, weeks, months later, John the Baptist's head was cut off. Fell into a, a, a bowl and was carried to uh, the, the wife of, of Herod, I believe. Is it Herod? Anyway, one of those guys. You know, how could that be God? Did I just say, the Lord said of John, don't be offended when things aren't working like, out like you think they should. The Lord is going to do His work. And sometimes we may find ourselves, as God is working, disappointed about what, how things look in our life. Can I get a witness? But blessed is He who is not offended in God. God has His own way. He works in His own time. And sometimes He will choose to use a person in a way that person may not have ever chosen. I believe if John the Baptist would have known, uh, uh, maybe as a 22 or 23 or 27, that we know what we believe His ministry began at about the age 30. If He would have known, hey, if I go out there and start preaching, in about nine months, my head's going to get cut off. He probably would have said, I'm going down to Tarshish. I mean, who's going to sign up for that? I imagine as he preached that all of Jerusalem and Judea came out to hear him, he probably thought, wow, this, this is awesome. He baptizes Jesus. God manifests in the flesh. He sees the dove. He hears the voice. He, he's holding the Messiah in his hands. He puts him under the water. If he would have known, I, I don't know. And do I understand all that? I'd, I'd be like John. Oh, God, help me. 
Amen. And sometimes in the difficulty of life, the only way that we can continue to have the faith that God has caused us to have is we have to be willing to fall on the rock and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord God, I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand the darkness. I don't understand the difficulty. I don't understand the scarcity. I don't understand the poverty. But according to thy will, let your will be done in my life. Amen. And, and it requires intentional. We have to intentionally reach a point even in the dark times, maybe specifically in the dark times, to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God and trust in His ability to bring us through and bring us out. I am surrendered to the will of God. Zechariah 4.10, it's a very well-known scripture. For who hath despised the day of small things? You know, God does a lot of the great things with small things. It was just a single stone that felled the giant. It was just a, a few loaves and fishes that fed the multitudes. And at the end of the day, it was, it was a little man that we only didn't hear once that reached the Apostle Paul. And, and the way God, uh, the economy of God, I, I don't know how it all works. I, I, I had the opportunity, maybe because I'm interested, I've been involved in missions and home missions and, and, and mission work, and, and, and I've seen sometimes it, 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 it can go gangbusters and sometimes it can bust, and sometimes it's just difficult to challenge and you just keep on persevering. But I know a lot of home missions churches that were started and closed. There's a lady by the name of Kathy Kalorin that, that, that received salvation and a love for the truth in a little homeless church in, 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 uh, in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And, and, and that church didn't even exist not long after she got saved. And, but, but years go by and, and she ended up being used by God in, in a mission field. And, and there were hundreds, thousands of people. And said that, that man that went started that church in Georgia and they closed the doors, he could have said, I was a failure. But no, if you are doing what God has called you to do, it doesn't matter how it adds up in your calculator. God has a way of mixing it and working it and causing things to happen to come forth out of things we think may be a failure. There's a missionary brother, Stuart Lassner, was raised in, in Clinton. Uh, he grew up in one of the big major churches there in town and never heard about this Acts 2.38 message. I don't even know if he said, I think he said he didn't even know any Pentecostals. But God, he, he was a college professor. He moved to Kentucky and he was teaching, uh, I believe, science or I don't remember. Uh, uh, anyway, some something. I forget what it was. Huh? History. He was teaching, and him and his wife were hungry, and, and they were thirsty, and they were praying, Lord, there's got to be more than what we're getting. There's got to be more in your word. There's got to be more. And somebody moved in next door. The person that moved in next door moved to town to start a church. And they were the first converts. They were the first people they baptized. They were the first people they taught a Bible study to. And in a few years, the Lord caused him to have an exchange student come from Columbia, I believe. They had him over for dinner. And in that interaction, the Lord gave him a burden for Columbia. And he ended up going overseas. And that church that he got it doesn't even exist today. 
That man that started that church, he could say, you know, all this was for naught. But you don't know what is going to prosper. And you don't know the end of what you, you and I may be involved in. But we just obey the Word, preach the Word, stand in the Word, sow the seed, do what God has called us to do, and trust Him to keep up the score. Amen. Intentional brokenness. Amen. I, I read a story. I was reminded of it today. One day an angel appeared to a man and told him, tomorrow there will be a rock in front of your door. Push the rock. So the next day, true to the command, the man pushed the rock. From sunup to sundown, he fulfilled the command. And every day after that, he pushed. Week after week, month after month, year after year, the faithful man pushed. Years later, he began to complain, God, you told me to push the rock and I have been faithful, but, but the rock has not moved. And the devil began to put in his two cents worth and accuse him of his failure. See, you are a failure. The rock has not moved any. So the man weary and tired from a day of pushing the rock went to bed discouraged and down. That night the angel returned and said, Look at your legs. They're strong and powerful. Your hands are hard and callous. Your back is broad and full of strength. Your obedience is seen in the strength you have acquired in the pushing. God only wanted you to push the rock. The Lord never told you to move the rock. He told you to push the rock. God will move the rock. The next morning with one push, the rock rolled down the mountain. The process that we all find ourselves in the middle of, it is building a reservoir of strength. There was a pastor by the name of Carlton Watkins. He's well known for telling this story. He went to pastor a church. I believe it was in Georgia. He was there for just a few months and it was a disaster. And I think it was maybe a couple of years. And one day he was praying and said, Lord, why did you send me there? If you knew it was going to be like that, if you knew it was going to go like that, why did you send me there? And the Lord impressed upon his mind, I, you thought I sent you there to build a church. I sent you there to build a man. And I want to encourage you today, whatever difficulty you may be facing, if the Lord could just help you see it like He sees it. Because I can guarantee you, oftentimes, His calculations are a lot different than mine. Can somebody say amen? Amen. In closing, I remember one time I was praying. I was praying. And as I was praying, I, as I will do sometimes, I can get really caught up. But this time I was by myself. I was praying pretty fervently. It's almost like preaching sometimes. Lord, Lord God, I pray that you, O oh God, would work on the people in this community. Lord, I pray that you would help us reach this city. I help you pray, Lord, you'd help us reach our neighbors. And while I was praying, I saw a wall. I saw a wall uh, uh, blocking my way. A wall that was blocking my words. A wall that was blocking my entry. And I saw it, and it's like the Lord just began to, to show me and I began to pray it as I saw it. The wind blows on both sides of the wall. The rain falls.
walls on both sides of the wall. God is not bound by the walls or barriers. I may not get through, but nothing can keep the work of God out. And I just felt it as I prayed. Amen. The rain, the presence of God that I was feeling on my side of the wall, it was falling on the other side of the wall. Even though you can't see the effect, even though you may not see people's hearts being affected, keep on praying when all you can see is a hard, solid surface and it seems like nothing's happening. If you and I will decide, amen, I'm not going to become like the wall, but I'm going to keep myself intentionally broken, intentionally open, intentionally willing to do the will of God even when I don't see anything happening in front of me. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The scripture says, I actually put it in my phone. I know I threw my phone in. I gotta pick it up. Amen. Hopefully, don't make both sing. I gotta pick it up and put it back together. I wrote this while I was praying tonight. Scripture says in Second Chronicles, "If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence among my people." Y'all know what comes next? If my people, everybody say me. If my people, which are called by my name, shall, everybody say humble, humble themselves. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Is that humble? Seek. Turn. That turn means to return to the beginning. To return to the beginning. How many of you ever prayed more than you pray right now? Anybody? I would just say to you, every one of us, thankfully, we all have the opportunity to let God use us individually. And I'm saying, intentionally breaking ourselves or allowing the circumstances that have broken us to be sure that it's affecting us like God wants us to be affected. If we will turn from our wicked ways, humble ourselves and seek His face, Amen. I really believe the Lord is glorified in us and He is pleased with us and He is going to bless us not based upon whether the rock is rolling but based upon whether we're pushing the rock. And I know I've made up in my mind a long time ago but I've recommitted myself to pushing on the rock. I'm not going to allow the devil's voice or my own reasoning to stop me. Everybody say, push the rock. I want to keep on pushing the rock. Because at the end of the day, God's going to move the rock. Everybody say, God is going to move it. Amen. And I believe that just like the rain falls on both sides of the wall, and the wind falls on both sides of the wall, at some point, the wall is going to fall.